ดองเป็นสาวคนเงนยองบอกเคยมีแฟนน้องเป็นลูกีซอน That's fun. All right, so that sounds so good on a microphone. It doesn't normally sound that good. So notice the difference between the low volume uh -huh. and the way you were just talking now. Uh -huh. High volume, the first time you did. Welcome to 501c3BS. I'm your host, Zoo Velasco, director of the Gianneschi Center for Nonprofit Research at Cal State Fullerton's Mahalo School of Business and Economics. Join me today as we debunk the myths of the social sector. We will cut down the weeds and clear your path for organizational growth. This is Zoo Velasco with 501c3BS. We're here today in the studio with Charles Antis of Antis Roofing. Charles is kind of famous here at Cal State Fullerton and at um, throughout the county for his philanthropy that his company has done, and kind of leading the way for other companies to get into philanthropy as part of their business model. And it's part of a new thing that's not really new, but it's new to a lot of people. Which is corporate social responsibility, also known as CSR. Corporate social responsibility is something that's required at every business school in Europe, but until recently has not been a requirement at most business schools in the U.S. And since the Gianneschi Center runs out of a business school, we've been instrumental at kind of helping get a corporate social responsibility class started here at Mahalo School of Business at Cal State Fullerton. And Charles has been very instrumental in. Helping with that because he's been working from the corporate side of that um, kind of tilting at windmills for a while now. According to Investopedia, corporate social responsibility, or CSR, is a self-regulating business model that helps a company be socially accountable to itself, its stakeholders, and the public. By practicing corporate social responsibility, also called corporate citizenship, companies can be conscious of the kind of impact they are having on all aspects of society, including economic, social, and environmental. CSR is generally divided into four categories: corporate citizenship, workforce initiatives, sustainability and green initiatives, and corporate cause initiatives. Let's talk about these individually. Corporate citizenship includes involvement at the local level with chambers of commerce, service clubs, local charitable organizations, schools, and colleges. Workforce initiatives might include programs that increase diversity and inclusion, corporate team building exercises like a corporate build day, and leadership diversity programs. Sustainability and green initiatives are all those things companies do to lower their carbon footprint and show that they are working towards environmental goals to lower the effects of climate change, such as lead buildings, renovations instead of new construction, and recycling programs. Corporate cause initiatives are simply marketing strategies to market a company's CSR, such as when a company partners with a charity with a common mission as part of a marketing strategy to show its commitment to the community. An example of this. Would be when an NBA basketball team opens up a sports program at a local boys and girls club. As community organizations, we benefit from CSR in a big way and need to start thinking like our funders. How can we help them give to us? Our guest today is doing a bit of all of these categories within his CSR. So, Charles, um, why don't you? Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself, your company, and how you got into the CSR business. Okay, thanks, Zoot. It's exciting. I'm excited for this. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for everything that you're doing here at Mahalo. 
Um, but how I got here, I mean, I'm a, I'm a contractor. In fact, Antis Roofing is celebrating its 30th year. I founded it 30 years ago. And on our tagline, it says, on this year, our branding says, 30 years keeping families safe and dry. And so we have in our brand um, a purpose component, which is ties into our marketing. But, you know, that's where we are today. I didn't know that was a thing. You know, I, I in fact, I would have, it was counterintuitive to me. It would have felt on very many reasons wrong to talk about uh, social giving. Uh, but, but how I got here was... Uh, you know, just kind of life experience. I think you think kind of those fundamental things you learn as a kid from your parents or my parents, it was kind of do the right thing no matter what. Uh, and, you know, maybe some of the church stuff you get when you're young, you know, you do the right thing or you'll be cursed. I mean, maybe it started off a little rough in my head. Maybe there was a little fear of God. And, and so sometimes when I started my business, when somebody had a roofing problem, it felt like it was my problem whether or not they had the capacity to pay for the performance, I felt sort of a wholeness with the people that had the pain and I felt like I had to do something. And so the, I snuck into CSR, I would say at first painfully. Um, you know, and, and I, I've told the story many times. It's probably the story I tell a thousand times a year. You know, I tell it more than once every day almost, our origin story of, of when I walked inside that home in my first year because a little girl with a smiley face pulled me inside. I didn't want to go inside because all I smelt was the mildew coming from it. I knew they didn't have any money, but she pulled me into her bedroom to show off the unicorn poster on the wall. At that time, my eyes were drawn to the ground where I saw four mattresses on the on the floor with moldy bedding. And ever since that first big interruption, I, I started, I, I couldn't help but but do something, and, and I, I often call it my doctor on an airplane moment, you know, when, when you're a doctor on an airplane, you know, we all think this, and I believe it's true that when there's a doctor on an airplane and the pilot comes over, we have a medical emergency, is there a doctor on the plane? I think we all believe that that doctor's gonna raise his hand and, and help, and, and that's what I did then. And, then, and then, and that doctor, after he performs that service and saves that life, I, I believe, and I bet you most of our listeners today believe, that that doctor's not going to send a bill. And I think that there was just something pure in that moment when I was in that house that day with that little girl in the moldy mattress, that when that mom walked back in the room, I looked at her and something came up in me that, that I was nervous about. I, I tried to keep it from coming out of my mouth, but it, I said, I'm going to take care of your roof. And, and that was the first roof Antis roofing ever donated. And it would, they needed a whole new roof, and I had to get volunteers because we didn't have any employees yet. But that became part of who we were. And I didn't know it. We, we, we became kind of, uh, I would say, kind of struck with the condition that originally didn't feel necessarily good or bad, but we just couldn't let anybody have a leaky roof just because it didn't, um, didn't have the money to pay. Let me say that again. We couldn't let anybody have a leaky roof just because they didn't have the money to pay. And eventually that became... Um, a purpose. And eventually that became why, we didn't know it yet, but eventually that became why our employees stayed. And so CSR snuck up on me and then eventually it became part of our messaging, but not until after um, I got a call from Sharon Ellis, uh, the CEO of Habitat for Humanity here in Orange County about 11 years ago, where she asked us if we would give that uh, that first roof give. Would you donate a roof? Because I have a family that needs it. And it was easy for me at that moment. I was I knew what she was going to ask for when I heard she called. So it was easy for me to say yes. 
And it was it was a little weird because we donated that roof and then they talked about it and that felt funny because we never really talked about our giving. It felt like something we should do. Kind of maybe that's that old religious thing we grew up with. Don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing or you know, and I don't know where this even comes from. God who seeth in secret will reward can't reward you unless you do it in secret. And all the stuff that was to me felt like conditions of God's love and approval or being zapped by lightning. You know, and so so I just it didn't feel like I could talk about it. But after we donated that roof, Habitat for Humanity Orange County, Sharon Ellis said, Hey, Thank you, Antis Riffing, for donating roofs and transforming lives. And, and ooh, that felt like blasphemous. Can you say that? And then it felt funny. I heard the criticism, but it sort of we sort of eased into it. And then especially when it became really who we were, because ever since that first give, we've donated every Habitat for Humanity of Orange County roof since that day at 10 years ago when we did the first one. And, and, and it's been about 74 homes and we just hit a, the million dollar mark in donations along with Eagle Tile who donated all of the roofing tile for all 74 of those homes. So, so this has became who we are and now we know how to talk about it because we eventually emulated how Habitat talked about it. So that was a really long answer to a simple question, but that's kind of how we got into it. Well, you, you kind of got into something there that I want to get into, which is, you know, a lot of business people that have been fortunate in their lives, they give and they feel, you know, that it's it's not something to brag about because you want to, it takes away the giving if you're bragging about it, if you're talking about it. But from the philanthropy side, from the side of us organizations who are trying to encourage people to give, we often goad you into talking about it because we need you to tell others and be a model for others. And how, how did that first conversation go where you had to be kind of talked into talking about your giving? Well, that happened in a lot of layers, Zoot. I mean, because, again, I had such a bias built into my brain about not talking about it. I think, though, that I, I was able to hear a lot be, the wisdom of the other board of director members of the Habitat for Humanity Orange County Board. And, and things that would be profound to me that I don't know where I heard, but now they're part of my what I talk about. And that is, if we don't talk about it, how can it grow? I finally understood that now I'm the I'm the one who that's I'm that ambassador that says that because I'm on some national boards, particularly in the roofing industry, where we've been able to rally up over 200 companies to donate all of the I'm sorry, all of the Ronald McDonald House roofing for all 164 Ronald McDonald houses across the U.S. And 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 that's been an exciting, beautiful thing to be a part of. But the bias that I had to break was my original bias. And that would be there would be a a, a lot of roofers. my age baby boomers in Texas or Florida and they would raise their hand and say I'm going to donate a roof but by gosh we're not going to talk about it and and that was scary at first but now I, I know how to I know how to hit that back when you feel that way because that's how I used to feel like it's like dude I used to feel like you and nothing happened we did so little but now I've adopted this millennial philosophy of talking about it not only what's good but what's not working I'll, t- I'll tell you what's not working too because I'm trying to come to a better way to do business but I'm finding that everything changes because of it. Our culture's better. Our clients understand us more. They know who we are. They know that they're aligned with us. You know, and then why this whole thing is very, you know, like me, like you'll hear me, and I, I don't just talk about Habitat for Humanity. I don't just talk about Ronald McDonald House. I also talk for United, United in Homelessness. I also speak for, uh, you know, any number of social issues that press us. So how do I do that? How do you, that seems like I'm diluting my brand, but that's where you get down really into what fulfills 
fulfills you. I know what fulfills me. It fulfills our company to keep people safe and dry. That makes sense in your mind. But I know further what fulfills me, Charles Antis, because I've done a myriad of studies. I don't know if that makes sense, but I've done all sorts of studies and self-diagnosis of, you know, from, from DISC, uh, Myers-Briggs, uh, Imperative Purpose Lab, where I know what fulfills me. And because I know what fulfills me, it makes me, it makes me, it allows me to talk about something authentically. And I, I'm fulfilled by igniting passion in others for social change. So if I can awaken you to that cause that fulfills you, then not only will you be happier in your life like I feel today, but you'll also be able to have the impact in the world that your best self could have. So I think, um, you know, this is a podcast for people who work in the in social service sector. Mm-hmm. But I'm hoping that when they're talking to corporations that they might share this podcast with their, their corporate uh, partners and they might hear what you're saying. One of the things that um, I think often we think is, well, a corporation is afraid to talk about their giving to their peers because they're afraid it's going to encourage every nonprofit under the son to come and bother them and, and uh, you know, hit them up for things. Have you found that to be a problem for you? And, and what's, your, what's your take on a corporate person who says, well, I'm worried about, you know, putting my name out there because I don't want everybody, you know, hitting me up for money. Yeah, I do hear that a lot. I hear that across the country, too. Um, and I, and I, I can tell you that um, that is a, a healthy fear. You will be hit up. But that's where you need to understand for your company why you exist. Like Antis, knowing our why. We exist to keep families safe and dry. We donated all the habitat roofs. We got uh, recognition for it the next year's. 60 nonprofits came after us. We donated roofing service to over 60 nonprofits. That was really awesome. It's also a little, it was a little crazy. Um, so right now we're refining it. We're refining it under what we live for. So nonprofits that come to us for stuff that's not related as much to keeping families safe and dry, we're less, we have to put them not as high in a priority under our umbrella as those that those those things like Habitat for Humanity, United in Homelessness. Some of the big giving, like the $100,000 roofs, we can't afford to give away 60 of those in a year. We might be able, to be able to afford to give away a few of them and the Habitat roofs. So what we end up doing is we end up keeping the purpose of our brand promise, which is keeping them safe and dry. So in the event of a storm, that's the no, no limit. Yeah, we will send troops out there. We will get up on the roof in the rain. We will plug the hole. We will get you dry. And then we'll do our best to help find donors to donate if it's a nonprofit to donate some of the product which we can broker because we have a lot of attention on us or or we'll reach out to other roofers and now we're starting to get a concert of other roofers that want to give locally which is a really exciting thing you got to realize every local nonprofit around here that has the sophistication to reach out has a board of directors that are business leaders local in our economy they're the ones that literally make our economy turn and when they see you trying even when you fail and we fail we had a lot we've had failed gives this year that we raised our hand to give and we weren't able to do it. But even those nonprofits and those leaders that see us try and it doesn't work out, man, we we gain a relationship that lasts forever. You know, we live in a highly litigious world. And I'm not saying, you know, we won't get served. But when you, by everything you do, try to do right by people, 
and and you really live that and you teach that and even though you'll find times in your company it's not perfect but you try to straighten it out then I think that you can relatively expect some protection out there from bogus stuff hitting you I'm just noticing this when I share something socially forward in Orange County I get a nod from Disney I get a nod from Edwards I get a nod from Pemco I get a nod from Taco Bell like yeah like a hurrah like senior VPs that are saying yes and if by the way if you're a nonprofit the thing that I would like to suggest you didn't ask this but if you want to help me because um, we're so busy and and we're we're really now that we get publicity we're not working our PR very well I mean we get a lot of press because of the generosity of you but if you want to do us a favor and you want to do somebody if somebody's donating a roof then please please talk about it let me tell you how you talk about it you number one you share it in your social media and you better have social media and I mean I'm, I mean I'm sure there's a couple brand new ones that don't have it but I know almost all nonprofits do you need to share about it in a real authentic way with pictures of that CEO and share about it in your social media when you do your email blast find a way to throw that in and say thank you because that's the thing that they need. They need to be known. They're not known. They're, they don't, they, how can they be trusted? They're just another roofer and everyone's been ripped off by a roofer. But if they have an alignment, if you give them that alignment brand, you will give all of their people so much more fulfillment. That roofer, instead of having a 60% attrition rate, he'll keep 70% of his employees. You'll be helping his company. So if you want this to work, nonprofits, we donate to over 100 nonprofits. And I'm, this is a total guess of which about half this is to you know it's i'm directionally correct say something about it what's well, a little disingenuous for us to tell you we want you to encourage your peers to give and talk about your giving and then for us not to talk about your giving with what we're doing because not only should we be doing it to make you a happy corporation as a giver because it's going to help you and your people but also because we are then encouraging other corporations to give in the same way we're telling you to do it so, yeah, I mean, we definitely need to do better at, at getting the gifts out there in terms of, uh, you know, within what people want. Some people and don't want to be. You're, you're overcoming that bias, too, that a lot of people have or fear of, of talking about it. And so you have to make it really easy for them to share. Even sometimes some of our real personal gifts we don't talk about. People sometimes call me a philanthropist. It's not something I wake up thinking of. Um, I don't think of it that way. So there's certain, you know, there's ways that you talk about it, the ways you don't talk about it. There's a certain humility, but there's a certain boldness. How I can define that, you can, I can only tell in the stories. I, uh, nobody's written a really good script on this. Well, they have, but it keeps changing. You know, I mean, there's a lot of books about it. Uh, there are a couple of books came out last year. One of them is How Goodness Pays by Paul Batts in Minnesota. You know, they talk about it, but it's so evolving. We're, we're all theorizing. We're all philosophers trying to explain sociology concepts, you know, why this works today and why it didn't work before. It's a, it's an odd world out there, but it's a really fun world. And those of us that are in this world, um, you know, the, the I love it because uh, um, it's a great time to be in social good work in the U.S., especially here in Orange County. It's a great time to be an executive director of a nonprofit. It's a great time to be a VP of social responsibility for a corporation. It's a great time to be a CEO like me that talks about purpose because because we're just, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a pioneer. I'm barely an early adopter, but we look like pioneers. In fact, if a small business owner jumps on right now, or if you're a Robert Santana, a local CEO with a big voice, everyone's listening because the old models are just not there anymore and everything's changing. And so what a great time it is to be a social pioneer because now I'm kind of owning it a little bit because it keeps evolving, but a social pioneer talking about a better way to find fulfillment at work and to find a more 
harmonious society. Well, I kind of think of you as the Tom Shoes of roofs. <laughs> Tom Shoes. Have you ever, yes. have you ever yeah. been referred to as the Tom Shoes yeah, of yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that comparison uh, before, and yeah, you know, I, I first let me let me just examine that. I first bothered me because um, because I didn't know what we had, and I first heard it maybe eight years ago, and I, when I heard about Tom's, and I thought, well, what we have, we struggled to serve, to learn, and it wasn't good until a long time after. Tom's just came out with this plan and they got, but now after I started getting used to it, yeah, now I, I like it. I think yeah. it's a brilliant plan. I didn't know what CSR was. Now that I know what CSR is, it makes sense that when you start a company, you would want to in, in, enter the market with that plan and not let it evolve naturally, yeah. organically. So, so yeah, I love the Tom's model now <laughs> and the, the Tom's comparison. And we do kind of, but Tom's is more, Tom's is a, is a super dedicated model. Right. Ours has been what we can afford to do. Last year, we gave away five points on our on our top dollar um, and we gave away more than we could afford to give away which is interesting I mean um, if I was a CEO last year I, I would probably have been fired because I gave away um, more money than the company made um, on the other hand well, you if, were the CEO last year. if I was a CEO I'm sorry with a board with an outside board of directors oh, uh, if I was a hired gun CEO right, right, I'm hundred percent right. owner right I didn't clarify that thank you but I but yeah that's that's the difference and I mean, but if you had a boss they would have fired you. but if I was owned by a really progressive group of, of shareholders then they would have maybe um, given me a raise so I'm, I'm, I'm saying right. that I'm, and I'm, I don't that I take that last part back but they might not have judged me so harshly because our brand was built louder um, we also were given other recognitions that we like, likely wouldn't have got had our give not been in that. And what's that worth? I mean, if you could look at like we've earned uh, the, the American Red Cross gave us a few months ago the Western Desert Sea Region Corporate Hero Award. They only give out one a year. And that's a real big honor. And, and well, we, all, we have that. that forever. And it's so proud. We're proud as a team that, that, that we were recognized. Let's talk way. about that, because if you were a large company, um, you know, you're you're a small family-owned business in Orange County. But if you were a nuclear, you know, um, uh, you know, international company, and you spent, uh, or let's even take a startup. A lot of these startups that get, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to start up, and they lose money for their first ten years, and they're expected to. And a lot of it is about getting their branding out there, right? Uh, it's developing the brand because the brand is worth more than the product nowadays online. Sure. And so you're somebody who has invested a lot in your branding through philanthropy, and I think that's as you know, I don't think people should sneer at that. I think that's as important a reason oh, I, to I, do philanthropy yeah. as before, altruism. Before, before I talked about philanthropy, before we knew we could talk about it, I would consider the strength of my business as we grew was um, my marketing. I love, I'm, I'm a marketing guy. I'm, it's a great time to be a marketing guy in a CSR world and also have a big heart. And I think that's what yeah. we're discovering. So the roofing um, um, industry is a great case study because um, one thing about roofers, I don't know, with roofing pros across the country, um, turns out that they're a very generous lot. I mean, they're providing free roofs like that experience I told you about with the moldy mattresses. This happens everywhere, but we weren't talking about it, you know, and, and now that we're talking about it, it, you know, this big heart is, is building into a really big brand where I would say of the trades, we were kind of the scourge. We were the only trade that hadn't, hadn't recovered from pre-recession margins. I think we're still there, but we're rapidly recovering. And one of the reasons is, is we're collectively joined together and we're talking about the good that we're doing. 
you know, are Antis roofing locally keeping the habitat roofs in Orange County safe and dry, um, or whether it's all of the roofers in the U.S. keeping all of the Ronald McDonald houses safe and dry. When you get a group of people that have a purpose, that you're united, you feel better about yourself. You have, I mean, these little things in themselves, just knowing that your company exists and you're taking care of that Ronald McDonald house might make you and all of your employees seven to 15% happier. I mean, what's that worth? Seven to 15% happier. You know, it's like, well, if you can bring purpose into there, that's that's what we really want to do. We want to make happy employees. Happy employees are productive employees. Happy employees are honest employees. And, and also when you build this into your culture, um, unhappy employees um, that won't get happy will self-select out and that's a blessing i think that's a really important point you bring up because we when we talk to employers or when you talk to each other um people always talk about you know the importance of philanthropy and giving the importance of it in your tax donations the importance of it in your marketing but one thing that's not often talked enough about is how it affects your employees because um you know i i used to uh I, i had a great management teacher who told me um you know that on every national survey salary comes in around number seven in terms of importance for employ- yeah. employees, that one and two is always purpose and respect. And if you can give people a sense of purpose and a, and a sense that you respect them, mm. that they're more likely to stay involved. And I know from my work uh, as a Rotarian, I'm, I'm, I'm very involved in Rotary International. And as a Rotarian, people join Rotary because they want to network. They want to help their network. Mm-hmm. But they stay in Rotary because of the service projects and what they give back to the community. That's what really hooks them in to stay for a long time. And that was certainly true of me. And I think you're doing that with your employees. So they're coming in because they want a paycheck, but they're staying because they feel fulfilled. That's our, that's our intent. Having the Habitat logo attached to us aligns us with people that believe that everyone deserves a de- decent place to live. You know, and, and, and when we're aligned with our Ronald McDonald House, the whole roofing industry, now by which we are known, the big-hearted roofers, we believe that families need to be protected safe and dry and close to their kids. And it's like, that's, it builds trust. It builds trust within ourselves and all of our stakeholders. You know, being passionate about what we believe in is what gives us our our relationship and allows us to keep it in a time when things are going to be real volatile. I'm going to see more topsy-turvy in the roofing industry probably than I've ever seen because of a lack of labor and the push for technology. And, you know, in fact, the roofing industry is liable to get really awesome. Don't you think uh, CSR um, and being associated with it kind of uh, in what we talked about with employer satis- employee satisfaction is that it's it's giving you if there's a job shortage you're more likely to find workers because you have your reputation yes. if there's a uh, recession you're more likely to be recession proof because the people who do need roofers are going to go to the more reputable people and yeah. the others are going to go out of business yes absolutely i mean and and so i also i have the ability to make an appeal but we are fighting against cash and we're fighting against you know regulation sometimes and it's it is it is it isn't as easy as it was a year ago like I'm answering these questions a little harder now. Like we we've talked about the last two years of having a 93% 91% retention rate. I can tell right now it's not going to be that next year. So so I don't have it figured out by any means. Um, um, but it's you know we're in a we're in a scramble for the shortage of labor. But but having purpose, we always have a compelling reason. Nobody leaves happily. That's what I've noticed. You know it's a, it's hard to leave if they do leave for cash. So my, my last question for you. Um, CSR is, is more than about 
community giving. It's also about green initiatives. It's about dealing with a diverse workforce. It's about just being a good company of conscience in lots of different ways. Do you want to speak to any of those other initiatives of CSR that you that you are involved with? Well, um, so as a company, we're not involved in all those areas. My, myself personally, yes, I feel very much a social responsibility to build the bridge all the way to everyone, no matter what, whether they even want it or not. Where I'm naive and where I'm clumsy, Zoot, is that this is all um, a recent awakening for me. But I feel like I feel socially responsible every day a little bit more when I wake well, up. I'd be really interested in interviewing you in five years or three years and kind of see where you're at as you evolve as an organization and as a CEO and, and, and see where Antis is going in the future. But I think it's really brilliant how you've become an evangelist for CSR uh, around California and around the construction trades uh, it, nationally and internationally. So kudos for the work. Well, it's way more fun than I've ever had. I can't tell you how fulfilling it is. It's like it is every bit as fun as it looks. I get to just hang out with people that are kind and loving and share instead of people that are still think they have to hold things close to the best. It's the weirdest thing. I, I hang around more authentic people. I become more authentic. I hang around more centered, more people that kind of have their, their peace of mind to have that thing that fulfills them. Where I, It's like I heard this expression in many ways, but you know, you are who you hang around or you are the equivalent of the five people you hang around the most. And it's so true. And I have this theory that if I sat next to, to uh, who's the Buffett? Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. If I sat next to him at a board meeting once a month and we never spoke a word to each other, a year later, I'd be smarter in managing my money. I can't prove that, but there's something powerful, not just what you say about hanging around people that have what you want. So I, I've changed my life where I hang around people that are, are seeking fulfillment, that are happy, that are thought leaders, and I've become something that I never knew when I was young I could become. And, and, and the only way I describe it is I've become the best version of myself I've ever been. And so hopefully when you see me five years, I'm still on this journey, which means I'm probably going to laugh at some of the things I said today. (laughs) Thank you for listening to 501c3 BS, deep programming for organizational growth. I'm your host, Zoo Velasco. 501c3BS is sponsored by the Gianneschi Center for Nonprofit Research at California State University Fullerton and the Mahalo School of Business. Gianneschi is spelled G-I-A-N-N-E-S-C-H-I. That's G-I-A-N-N-E-S-C-H-I. Gianneschi Center for Nonprofit Research at California State University Fullerton and the Mahalo School of Business. Check out my Twitter feed at 501c3bs, my webpage at zootvelasco.com, and my book, The First 100 Days, on Amazon. The music is provided to us from our good friends at the traditional Brazilian choral group, Grupo Falso Baiano and Amy Molinelli. Find them at grupofalsobaiano.com. Thank you for listening. Have a great day free from BS.